And so all of us, again, just like transitions, all of us are going to have fear and it's going to have a certain impact on our life all the time for the rest of your life. It's just part of being human. So it's not if we fear again, it's how we respond to fear. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. This is Pastor Elliot Anderson. Dr. Karen is skiing somewhere with her husband, so you have me for your introduction. We're so glad you decided to listen to our podcast. Loneliness is a universal human condition that impacts our mental, emotional, and even our physical health. Loneliness is especially challenging during Valentine's week, whether we're single and wishing we weren't, or we're feeling lonely in the context of our romantic relationship. In this message, I gave at Judson University Chapel, I break down the three main circumstances that lead to loneliness and ways we can abate that through understanding and community. Next week is Valentine's week, and we have a full slate of episodes releasing daily to support you and empower you in your relationships. May God bless you as you listen. I'd love to connect with you via my weekly newsletter. Joining the Love and Life email list ensures you're the first to know everything going on in the Love and Life family. You'll receive insider perk pricing for consultations and events, And it's the best way to keep in touch when I do what the research suggests is very healthy and take breaks from social media. Subscribe on my website, loveandlifemedia.com. And as a bonus, you'll get my free Empowered Dating Playbook. So we see in the 2020s, I've done a bunch of research on loneliness. And we see that it's been called already, and we're only in the third year, right? It's been called already the decade, the age of loneliness. And one research called it an epidemic. Loneliness is actually an epidemic, which seems hard to even believe. Because look at that definition of epidemic. Widespread occurrence of infectious disease in a particular time. Have you ever thought of loneliness as a disease? But look at the research. Loneliness is more dangerous than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's pretty powerful loneliness in a physiological manner. It's more dangerous than being obese. In 2010, in a general survey across the United States, 40% of people identified as lonely regularly, not just occasionally. And now, more recently, 58%. Certainly the pandemic did not help that. But you can see that even prior, loneliness has always been and always will be a major concern for us. Next slide, brother. Loneliness has no bias for age or culture, ethnicity, economy. But it seems to impact, based on the research, you. Although I don't think we have too many 12-year-olds here. But I think it impacts this age, 12 to 24, which seems startling to me when we think about that is the time in our life when we have the most required social connection with others. School, family, church, teams, clubs, choirs, dorms, parties, social media, online gaming, computers. And yet this is the age where you're the loneliest? How can that be? Let's start with some definitions that might help us understand why this is true for you. 
before I talk about circumstances. Being alone is the absence of physical proximity with other people. That definition has actually changed over the years, at least psychologically. It used to be just contact, having no contact with other people. I think through the pandemic, they recognized it wasn't just contact, just being able to call someone and have some contact with them, but actual physical proximity is hugely important. The absence of physical proximity with other people during COVID, when we had the lockdowns, like you, I was struggling. Though I had my wife and my four kids and a foster son, which kept things moving, kept things interesting, I was still lonely. I didn't have an absence of physical proximity with my family. That was actually quite a blessing. But with others, with the outside world, with my other jobs and movements, it just felt very, very alone. Lonely is being sad when others don't know or understand us. That partly explains this social dynamic where you're around a ton of people right now and in your dorms and your teams and the cafeteria and you can feel astoundingly lonely even amidst a great group of people. The research says if we're not known and not understood, it's difficult. It's easy to feel lonely. And I recognize at your age, you don't often know who you are or understand yourself, let alone feel someone else knows you and understands you. And that's, again, part of that paradox in that process. And then the loneliness definition, which should help us a lot. Loneliness is the perceived subjective feeling of being lonely. The perception there is huge because no one can tell you except you if you feel lonely. And have you ever taken the vulnerability and the courage to tell someone I'm, I'm really lonely right now and they actually contradict you or counter you. No, you're not. You have all these friends. You have all these people in your life. You have me. They're failing to understand that point. We need to be understood. We need to be known, accepted, affirmed, appreciated for who we are. And sometimes that's very difficult to do, especially when we have a lot of shame about who we are and we don't want to be fully known or understood. Here's the circumstances that I think create loneliness so significantly and why it hits this age group so strong. Three circumstances that create loneliness, and I like acronyms or things that help us remember. I also love football, though I never played it. And so the acronym is TFL. What does that mean, brothers? Tackle for a loss. If you don't know football, give me just two minutes to explain this. So in football, the offense has four downs to gain 10 yards. So the defense is obviously trying to stop them from getting the 10 yards. And then you repeat it down the field until they lose the ball, score a touchdown, or exchange. So if the offense that's trying to make a play to gain yardage forward, if the receiver, our quarterback, or running back does a play, but he gets tackled behind the yard line of scrimmage, defense penetrates that line, gets in and tackles him behind it, it's called a tackle for a loss. And as I thought about loneliness and I thought about the three things I wanted to bring forward on circumstances, it became an outstanding metaphor, at least for me, in an acronym. Because when we're feeling lonely, it feels like we can't get ahead. We can't make any progress. We can't gain an advantage or get closer to our goals. Even sometimes the goal of simply going to eat, getting out of bed, getting to class, Tackle for a loss. The first one, the T, is for transitions. 
Life is full of transitions all the time, all life long. Some of you don't like to change. That's okay. God might have wired you that way. But you got to recognize those transitions are coming. And they happen in abundance in your age frame again. That's why I think the research supports that. So you see, it's not if we will have transitions. It's how we will respond to them. We're going to have them automatically. College-age transitions. I just whipped these off very quickly. There's probably more. Leaving home, new school, new country, new state, new friends, new teammates, new romantic relationship, new academic requirements, new roommates, new coaches, new professors, new experiences, new weather, new direction, new passion, even a new faith. And that almost happens every single year you're here. That's a lot of new. That's a lot of transition. That's a lot of change. When we transition, we're not just getting something new we're likely going to automatically then miss the old. So it goes hand in hand. Even a new faith. When I fully surrendered myself to Christ and learned what it means to be a leader for him, not just for myself, there was times I was very lonely in my faith even though I was so excited to have that new faith because I didn't feel like I belonged to either side anymore. I didn't feel like I belonged to some of the guys I hung out with in the past when we were doing very non-Christ-like things, and I didn't feel I totally belonged in the group that was doing very Christ-like things. I felt kind of trapped in the middle. That's why you can even be a leader and be lonely. Let me summarize these last things about transitions. They lead us away from what we knew and whom we knew. It means new people won't understand us right away. It's impossible. Think how long it's taking you to figure yourself out. Or maybe your best friends from high school. Maybe you're with them eight, ten years of schooling together. It took you guys a long time to really understand each other and know each other. And now you're starting over. Some of you might have brought friends with you. But for the most part, you're starting over. That takes time. And they are necessary for growth, for your growth as an individual. For individuation, which means your separation from your parents to become your own man or woman. That is also true in the faith. Even if you have a great godly family that raised you up well in the kingdom and you surrender your life to Christ very early, it still is individuating to figure out yourself, your own faith in college at this season. And then lastly, for interdependence, because I think we have a faulty goal in America or even in our evangelical culture of teaching and wanting to shape people to be independent. That's not really scripturally accurate. We are to be interdependent. God says it's not good to be alone. He created us for relationship. We are to be the body of Christ together, interdependent. Here's some scriptures even about the new life in Christ transition. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. That was a really important verse for me as I was trying to forgive myself for my years of darkness and shameful behavior. I knew Christ had forgiven me. It was really hard for me to forgive myself. And I had to release that shame, release that pain, and know I was new in Christ. He saw me as the man I was going to be, not on the man I used to be. And then Isaiah 43, 18, 19, do not remember the former things. Isaiah is saying, he's not saying, the Lord's not saying through Isaiah, forget about your past, pretend like it didn't happen. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, do not remember those, meaning don't be in that same spirit, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Some of you are feeling completely lost in the wilderness like the Israelites. 
for 40 years wandering. And Jesus is saying to you, I will give you a path to safety. I will give you a path to feeling connected. I will help you find your way. So abating loneliness for this T, the first part of the acronym. I chose abating because I thought it was an appropriate word despite my failure to spell something correctly. I chose abating because it's something that becomes smaller or less intense. Because I'm teaching you that loneliness is a part of our human condition. You're going to feel lonely off and on for your entire life. That's not always fun to understand and recognize. But if we recognize about transitions, we know we're going to have some loneliness. So we're trying to abate that become smaller or less intense. And the number one way is to build positive relationships to be known and understood. Building positive relationships. That was one of the biggest switches for me, identification. I always had a lot of friends, but I had certain friends that helped me do inappropriate things and other friends who helped me do appropriate things. And I had to make sure I was around the positive people that were helping me become what God had called me to be. It didn't mean I dissed all my old friends. I'm still friends with a lot of those guys. Still connect with them, still call, still say hi, hello, etc. But who is really going to move you and shape you into the man and woman you've been called to be, been called by Christ to be? And sometimes we need to pursue others. I remember a couple years ago in a class, the very first class in counseling theories, I taught just a general introduction and a young man came up to me right after class and said, I need to be mentored by you. I will do whatever it takes to make that happen. I'm like, wow, there's a man who's taking some initiative to grow, to individuate, to become interdependent. Sometimes you need to pursue others, but other times you need to allow others to pursue you, not purse you, sorry. I was writing in passion, not as an academic. And that's hard. Sometimes you're private, maybe more introverted. You don't like people in your business. And if there's something that Judson does well, Spiritually and emotionally, mentally, we're in your business. <laughs> we do that well. I do that well. I will ask you things and provoke you sometimes to kind of figure out where you are in life, how you're doing, to love you, to serve you. So please, during these four, five, six years, however long you're here, allow others to pursue you, to be understood, to be known, to be encouraged, to be shaped. That's our first, that's our tackle is transitions. The second is fear. One of the seven primary emotions, we all experience fear regularly. I do a lot of work with guys who've come out of the military. I have one couple in particular right now. He's recognizing his PTSD from some really horrific things he went through. And he told me on my couch a couple weeks ago, I don't really fear. And I said, that's not true. You wouldn't have PTSD if you didn't. You were trained not to fear, and I understand that, and I'm thankful Men and women in the armed services are trained not to fear so they can respond and protect us and take care of us. But the fear is a part of who we are. We can't turn it off. So then it builds up and makes us respond. And so all of us, again, just like transitions, all of us are going to have fear and it's going to have a certain impact on our life all the time for the rest of your life. It's just part of being human. So it's not if we fear again, it's how we respond to fear. Over 500 verses about fear in the Bible. Sometimes we're told what to fear, and there's really only two things that we're told to fear. Fear the Lord. That means reverence for him. That means respect for him. And also the recognition that he is God. He is the creator of the universe. He is the ultimate judge and authority of everything forever. Amen. We are not equal to God. 
We are below God. We submit to God. We serve God. And then we're told to fear evil. Remember what scripture tells us over and over again when facing evil? Flee it. Get away from it. Pray for protection from it. That's the only two things really in scripture that we're told to fear. Otherwise, we're told over and over and over again not to fear anything else. And that's not Jesus giving us some kind of wicked paradox telling us to do something we can't do because I just told you fear is a natural part of our human condition. So you're going to have it. He's telling you, you're going to have it. Here's how we counter it. And we need to be assertive in those measures. Next. Here's a couple verses about that. Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll behold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not. Do not be dismayed. Fear is really a crippling reality of your generation. Before the pandemic of COVID, we had the pandemic of anxiety and it's very strongly related to fear, but that's a separate message. Psalm 34, 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Wow, is that a beautiful testimony. Wouldn't that be great to be delivered from all your fears, not allowing fears to overwhelm you? Next slide. Now here's a big passage and I'm going to walk you through it relatively quickly. I'd encourage you to go back and read it. Mark 5, 21 through 29. This is one of the times when Jesus is out ministering and all kinds of things are happening while he's out healing and he's out teaching he's out shaping he's preparing the disciples for their ministry for the star of the church and here's just one of these typical situations Jesus crossed again in the boat to the other side a great crowd gathered thousands and thousands of people would follow him around you think a great crowd you might think well there's 50 people around him thousands of people were following him and he was beside the sea he would often go down in the in the gullies of the sea because his voice would project out of the boat out of the water and help him be heard Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue. Remember, the religious leaders weren't real keen on Jesus. Jairus, by name, and see me, fell Christ's feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so she be made well and live. And Jesus went with him. And the crowd went also. On his way there, there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 straight years. She had been bleeding. 12 straight years. And who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew uh, worse. Next. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood stopped. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Remember what we talked about? Loneliness is an epidemic. Loneliness is a disease. This woman was desperate for her disease to stop. And she ran to find Jesus and touch him. You can find Jesus on this campus, I promise you. Absolutely promise you, you can find Jesus on this campus. You can find it in the spirit of God reaching out to you, calling you, touching you, teaching you, shaping you through chapel and other events and other experiences. But mainly it's going to come through other people who are Christ-centered and can give you the love of Christ. They can't heal you, but they can be a part of your healing. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him. That's how you see almost every single individual who's recognizing who Christ is in scriptures falling down, prostrate before him. 
And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed from your disease. Scripture teaches us the best way to counter fear is to have faith. And that seems again like a paradox. The best way to counter fear is to have faith. Next, so how do we abate loneliness with fear? When we fear loneliness, we actually become more lonely. So when we focus on that fear and are afraid to go out and meet new people, afraid to go to the cafeteria, afraid to come to chapel, that actually creates more loneliness because we're understanding that gap. We are made for that social connection. We're afraid of it. And then when we give into that fear, it actually makes it worse. When we're lonely, we need to seek the Lord in faith. Asking the Lord to receive your loneliness, to help you in your loneliness. He will strengthen us, comfort us, and heal us. And many times it's going to be through other godly people. Our last letter in the acronym is LOSS. Transitions, fear, and loss. Loss is a part of human life. Again, it happens all the time. And if you think of your challenges and your transitions over these last couple years, that also induces loss. Even if you were ready to get out of your house, like I was when I was 18, it still is a loss. A loss from your living environment, a loss of being with your parents, even if you're upset with them, a loss of being around your old friends, a loss of your old school, all those things create losses. Again, it's not if we will have loss, it's how we respond to it. Transitions and fear equal loss. All these transitions bring fear. Fear inhibits us, it blocks us from seeking God and others. We have to recognize and grieve those losses in order to heal from them. We need to talk about them, we need to write about them, we need to share about them. When my father passed away in 2016, I had lots of connection with friends and family, tons, and still felt really lonely, missing him as a specific individual, totally loved and supported and cared for from all the family and friends, remarkably so, lifted up, as they say in Scripture, lifted up by the presence of all the friends, but it couldn't separate the loss of my individual father. So even when we have support and love, when there's particular relationships or experiences that get severed due to death or due to transition, it's going to create loss. The greater the relationships experience loss, the greater the loneliness, the greater the loneliness from the loss, the greater we have a need to share it. And again, that's a little bit of an awkward thing to walk up to someone and go, hey, can I talk to you about my grandma dying? That's not an easy hangout conversation. But we need to recognize it, understand it, and grieve it. How do we abate loneliness with loss? First with Jesus. There's so many great passages here. I could have done 15 slides. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says again, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And then Psalm 55, David says, Cast your burdens upon the Lord. Cast your burdens upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. So first, we receive comfort and we grieve with Jesus. Then it's with people, other godly people. Next slide. This is my favorite verse. It's kind of my theme verse for why I became a counselor. 
2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. So we comfort others with the pain we have gone through. And so even though I'm a therapist, even though I'm a counselor and have been comforting others for 30 years, when my father died, I wanted to find other people who had lost their father specifically and comfort one another in that framework, in that shaping, in that healing. Again, we are meant to be interdependent. Comfort one another. It was very fascinating for me as a basketball player and captain of our teams to start shifting how I led. And it wasn't just on the court as a point guard, that's your job. But it was in the van rides. It was in the locker room. And sometimes that was recognizing these fears and these transitions, these losses going on with my fellow classmates and teammates and not being afraid to bring them and say, dude, you don't look right. You're doing okay. Let's walk to the cafeteria and talk about it. I didn't know I was going to be a counselor, but that was the Lord leading that direction. So again, in recognizing this TFL, how do we abate this loneliness? Build positive relationships with Jesus and other people. It might seem hard to you to think about why am I going to come to Jesus if I don't necessarily believe in him yet? I don't necessarily think he's the son of God. I don't think he can forgive me my sins. If you're questioning that, you might say to myself, why am I going to Jesus? Well, there's something in psychological uh, healing that's called existential pain, existential loss or concern. That means this whole question about why am I here? Why do I matter? What's my purpose in life? And that's sometimes when we get to the point where we want to reach out and say, okay, is there a God or not? And I would encourage you and challenge you, if you're in that space right now, like maybe it is, maybe there isn't, seek them out and find out for yourself. And I love those passages in Scripture where it says, if you seek the Lord, you will find him. And not only that, he will seek you. He's probably seeking you right now. If you're having these weird thoughts going on in your heart that you haven't had before, maybe it's something about being lonely and you're talking to other godly people around campus and all of a sudden you're feeling a little bit better and feeling encouraged and maybe they pray over you and you've never been prayed over before and you're something feeling, there's a different feeling you're recognizing, that's God saying, come home. I made you, I created you, I want to give you rest. I want to take away your burdens. I want to help you with your loneliness. He might not be able to take it all away because of our human condition. But when we know we are creating his image, we know we have a purpose. We know there's a reason for our very existence. And we can use all the great gifts and talents we have for the Lord, not just ourselves. It brings existential peace. So we build positive relationship with Jesus and other godly people. We seek the Lord in faith. We recognize we are going to have fears. And then we seek others and allow others to seek us. And finally, we got to grieve the losses and find comfort in Jesus and other godly people. Grieve the losses. I was trained as an athlete never to show that kind of emotion. Now, I played with great intensity and great passion, but I found it really interesting that when I fully surrendered to God for my junior and senior year, I had so much more emotion and more passion for the game than I ever thought was possible. I thought that was my biggest fear. If I give my life to Christ, I'm not going to care about basketball anymore, care about baseball or anything else. And it was the exact opposite. He'd already given those desires to me, and now they were fully manifested for him. And so I was regularly crying after bad losses in the locker room. 
And my teammates were freaked out. Like, what is Elliot's problem? <laughs> and I didn't know what to do about it either. But then I started to recognize, you know, it's just because I cared so much. And I just wanted to do whatever it took as, a, as the captain and point guard to make our team win. And the tears were just honest expression of loss. I'm super competitive anyway. I hated to lose. So even in regular things, like you don't do well on a test, you don't do well on a project, you screw up your speech, you drop the ball, allow our emotions to be real and authentic, to grieve those losses and find comfort in other people. Last slide, Tim. Abating this loneliness immediately. I will stay after chapel and pray for anybody who needs to. If there's a line, I will pray until we're all finished up. You could choose today, say, I'm going to talk to someone. It doesn't have to be me, of course. There's many staff and faculty and upperclassmen that I know would eagerly, as a joy, not as a burden, work with you, have time with you, pray over you, connect with you, listen to you, understand you and know you, and I promise you, you will have less loneliness because of that. That's part of what Judson does, fantastic if you allow it. So I'm going to say a prayer for us now. And again, if you don't feel like coming up or you don't have time, feel free to email me and just say, yes, I'd like to connect with someone. I need some help. I, will, I can't meet everybody, but I will connect you with other people on campus. There's other faculty and staff who've always told me, Elliot, I will help mentor, I'll help guide. So there is automatic instant response available if you so choose it. And if the Lord is saying right now to you, seek me and you will find me. Thank you for listening to this sensitive topic and giving me your attention and your respect. Let me pray a blessing over you. Heavenly Father, we all go through times of loneliness. And I know, Lord, right now there's at least 30, 40, 50 people in this room who are really, really lonely. Really discouraged, really sad, really feeling the great weight from these transitions Afraid, anxious, scared, grieving, feeling great loss. Father, thank you that just a natural relationship with you, surrendering our life to you, giving our heart to you, Lord, for the forgiveness of our sins and to be in relationship with you and others will automatically take away some of the loneliness. But Lord, in our human humanity, in our human condition, we will be lonely from time to time, and that's when the body of Christ needs to work together in interdependence, love one another, comfort one another, pray for one another, listen to one another, do things together, be open and honest and talk and share. Father, this is a very friendly, very social, very connected community, and we pray we would even be better and grow in greater connection and intimacy Lord, my goal as a therapist and pastor would be there's not one lonely person on this campus. I know, Lord, that can only happen through you and your spirit. And I pray, Lord, for all those souls feeling lonely right now. May you abate some of that loneliness even today. Amen. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram.